Welcome to the Buried Gems Podcast, where we dig through internet literature to try and find the next big thing. Um, so do you like buses or subways better? You know, I've thought really hard about this, and I gotta tell you, uh, Subway has a really good hoagie, so I'm gonna go That's with buses. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, like, I got a car. I don't need to get around town on this bus. What I need is a sandwich. I don't have sandwiches at home. Like, I, I don't know what... I don't know, man. I, I just... I feel like the 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 human on the go now needs a mobile crunch, you know, a mobile a mobile thing with bread. They need a mobile satisfaction. They need something to that they can sit on. They can sit on their bus or their or their underground train of sorts and sit there and look back at their life and say this is this is this is this is horrifying. What what have I done? What am I what am I doing? And then they look down and they see a nice meatball sub and they're like, "Oh, brother, you're on track. Look at that." And then well, not a crunch, a definite slurp, and I think that's equally as important when it comes to the modern worker. They they set the expectations too high for buses when we were young. Like when you're fresh out of the womb, you're watching Miss Frizzle, and she's got this magic bus that can like go into your blood and like stop cancer. And then you know, then real world life, real real world life kicks in, and you're just. You know the 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 bus driver's a chain smoker. She yells at you occasionally. You go and home sobbing. If you do end up on a magic bus, it just means that you took ketamine in the back seat, and that's the only thing that went into your bloodstream. And that is, you know, drug addiction. Which uh, last time I checked, the after school special said were no go for Mister. Um, what about this buses? Right. Um, wait, I, I did I did go on a magic bus earlier today. I'm a little I'm a little frazzled. Uh, we're talking about buses versus subways versus falafel, right? We, there was a falafel in there. Oh, man. I had falafel yesterday in uh, 1648. It was fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, something else is also fantastic. And the thing that makes me think about fantastic is when I hear the word fantastic, I think fantastic four. And the, what is the Fantastic Four other than a collection of stories printed in the medium? But, you know, on Barry Jim's, we don't look at printed medium. We look at the internet because this is Barry Jim's where we dig through the internet to try and find the next big thing. And we're going to read some stories today. Uh, with me today, sadly, we do not have proper gent. Uh, if you've been listening to our Of Yokai and Helpless Romantics recently, then you would know that he was recently uh, taking children into a cotillion to teach them which fork to use. I have heard that there have been medical complications at the cotillion. Uh, the people, the kids in rebellion to proper gent decided to use their spoons, uh, uh, their spoons, their soup spoons, when they should have been using their their salad forks and multiple people had, lo- you know, do they just cut that uvula off by accident? Uh, he's gotten to a lot of legal trouble, but I mean, he's pretty good. He's got a monocle and a top hat so i think he'll be fine but instead of proper gent we do have instead matt hawker from the matt hawker show hey uh so what would you describe is your worst superpower Uh, you know sometimes i just i think i love too much that's a that's a gritty superpower i feel like you know the Punisher, he's got the same problem. He just loves too much. And he... he. <sighs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, it's all... Whew. I, 
I feel like my heart is so big sometimes that I just want to get rid of it. Like, like physically. Yeah, physically, maybe metaphysically. You know the me- the metaphysical heart. You know what I'm. You know what I'm wait, going are, with this? Oh wait, are are you the Grinch? Did you did you see those Whovilles uh, celebrate Christmas for the first time and your heart gained three times too big, but then realized that your rib cage did not also grow with said heart expansion, and now you're kind of in a way trapped. It leads to a lot of, it leads to a lot of problems. I would I, I, oh, I could see that. I can imagine. I mean, my heart's two sizes too small. I had to become cold and hardened when I escaped my jail uh, of the uh, Miami Aquarium. But, you know, three sizes too big sounds horrible. Two sizes too small is actually kind of nice. There's plenty of room. I can slosh it around in there, you know. I, I I can throw in some valuables. The one thing the Grinch taught me from that whole show is that they just did not have a great healthcare system in Whoville. They just they they really just didn't. didn't have it. No. They, it, was, it took a, a, a dog to re- for them to realize his heart had gone too big. And he probably just had went into shock. And that's why he gave all the presents back. I mean, sorry, you know, to, to ruin a Christmas story. But, I mean, I, I feel like that's my purpose is yeah, to ruin the Grinch. That is – that it actually says it right here, uh, your purpose in this, in this little binder I have of everyone on earth. That, that's what it says. It says right there, and is it because he ruined Christmas? Because that's why I want to ruin him. Um, it doesn't say anything about him. I don't actually. It's weird. I, I uh, well, is he not me. a person? Uh, turns out, no, he is not a person. I guess he is a character. He's like, Much a, like an, a mobile moss. You know, mobile mosses are characters, and uh, we're gonna have to get into some characters. So the first author we're reading from today is called Warner Hedgehog. Um, so, uh, let me, actually, I need to link you this. <laughs> yeah, drop, you drop me that reading. link. Drop me that linkage. Link, that, that link. Here we go. So, <gasps> I'll give you a quick bio of Warner Hedgehog. This is on fictionpress.com. You can find him. It's Warner Hedgehog. It's pretty easy to spell. I write whatever strange tales enter my head. Sometimes it's a drawn-out story, other times it's a short tale, and occasionally it's a mad poem. I must go where my slightly concussed muse takes me. One day it'll get a collar and a GPS tag. Most of my output will be short stories or poems, but occasionally some, should I have the inclination, something longer may be created. Out of intimidation, MDF. Some of the less aimless of my stories can be found on fan fiction. For those interested, very bored, or with too much time on their hands, here's a bit about me. Some of it may be true. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll play a little game here. Uh, how old do you think he is? Um, he joined in 2012, and he last okay. updated his profile in 2018. And he's from um, the UK. I'm going to say he is 22. 22. You were close. He's 806, give or take a few thingy-magum doodads. Uh, that's according to him. Uh, All right, what do you, he's, uh, he's interested in, uh, writing weird tales, peculiar poetry, listening to music, playing guitar, ukulele, painting, and singing. Um, he has no awards. Uh, he's very brazen about that. He has a section on his bio that says awards and he says there's none. So I'm just going to have to leave. And he has a, also on here, he, uh, has a, a big section of lies that he calls big hairy lies. And he just has a bunch of lies in here. Like Jupiter is a home to a race of nuclear shrews, which I don't know why that's not a lie. Maybe the lie is that he's implying that that statement is false and that's a lie because Jupiter is home to a race of nuclear shoes. Same with him saying that a Birmingham is available in gingham and shades of pastel and pink. I mean, that's just, 
that's fact, right? Like you, you live in Birmingham, and you, I can, you, you can, can you verify that it's available in the shades of pastel pink? Uh, yeah, because it is filled with ham. Holy cow! It is uncooked ham everywhere. So yeah, the shades of pastel pink checks out. It's just everywhere, right? So I don't know. Maybe the idea is that he's putting true statements down, and then they're he's implying that they're lies, Probably. which is a lie. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we're reading. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I just noticed that it starts off, this has no purpose at all, and then it gets into that. So that's the that's the biggest lie of them all. Those things are significant. These are very significant facts. I mean, if you want to see all these real truth studies put down, you can feel free to go hit up his uh, his f- uh, fiction press page listener to go see, like, you know, he's got some interesting facts here that really, like, flea powder is made from ground-up gnome hats. Like, that is just, that is a secret the flea powder industry doesn't want us knowing about. This is very serious, purposeful information. Well, let's get into the first story, however. We're reading his one of his more recent stories. It was published on August 14th of, the, of 2018, updated May 4th of this year, 2019. Uh, and so I feel like he, he apparently he just writes these stories down randomly whenever he feels like it. So it's kind of, he, sa- he says it's both in progress and complete at the same time. Both Schrodinger and Einstein would have hated it. So... We're just going to read all of the chapters he has available as of right now, uh, and maybe we'll come back to it later if it's uh, if, if we find it, uh, you know, complete. Uh, a full story. A full Got story. It. If it's if it's a full story, then we'll come back and visit the edition later. Um, so this is called Brian and Eric, some random tat, and we're just going to start with chapter one. Uh, Matt is going to be doing the voices today, so you don't have to hear my horrible. <coughs> Horrible accents. Uh, you ready to just just jump on into it? Yeah. Do you want me to read and do the voices? Like no, I'll I'll, voices? I'll 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 narrate and then I'll do you do the 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 voice like the like the dialogue. I, I gotcha. I'm with it. Okay. Eric looked at the butterfly. The butterfly looked back. Why are you an insect? Eric inquired. Brian the butterfly thought for a moment before replying. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Eric took this in and then asked, Okay then, wing boy, how are you a butterfly? You were mostly human last week. Brian took a deep breath. He wasn't quite sure either. Well, you know, down the road there's that weird shop with the large chrysalis in the window. I had to see what they were about, so I went in there on Monday. Turns out, they do magic, and they offered me the chance to see through compound eyes for a fortnight. Well... I went in there, and here I am, and uh, so far it's been brilliant. I crave nectar, but you can't worry about little things like that all the time. I mean, I'm just going to uh, butt in here. Uh, I feel like that is some uh, bullshit advertising. If someone's like, hey, I can give you a chance to do compound eyes for a fortnight, uh, and they turn me into a butterfly, I'd be like, hey, I didn't asked to be in some monkey paws bullshit. I asked to see the compound eyes. I wanted insect eyes on top of my face. I wanted people to scream at the horrific sight that i become. I didn't want to become some beautiful butterfly. Like, what do you think this is? I'm kind of fucking normative person that wants to be treated like a, a beautiful person, a beautiful guy. You know, you, you get what I'm feeling? You you want me to tell you that you're beautiful? Yes, please do. You're, be- you're beautiful. <laughs> oh, you... Brian, the man-sized butterfly, merrily fluttered about the room for a bit while Eric pondered. How could Brian talk when his mouth was a long, curled-up tube? 
Did he scare the bejeepers out of spiders? What did the postman and tax people think of this? Should he sell the story to the papers and would they believe him at all? Should he just shrug and go to the chip shop instead? He had no idea, but the chip shop was awfully inviting. End of chapter one. How do you feel about that chapter? You know, um, I, I have a lot of feelings. I, I, I guess, though, I'll, I'll say this, that I, I clicked the reviews link and somebody <laughs> commented, nice poem. So right off the bat, that makes me a little concerned that maybe I was reading this the wrong way. Maybe this is, you know, a a because it's 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 defined as a humor fantasy, but somebody else in the comments or the reviews has clarified it as a poem. So I'm wondering if they're seeing something that we're not. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, I've misread something, but I mean, I've I've a feeling they might be talking about a poem later. (laughs) I think there is like. Like, I like this is literally just like he just whenever he I think whenever he like just feels like it, he writes random crap into into, into this story. So uh, they might be talking about the poem. <laughs> Who knows? Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, that we have a lot of repetition here, right? So it's Eric looked at the butterfly, Brian, the butterfly. Eric took this in. Brian took a deep breath. But then the pattern breaks. Right. So the first four paragraphs we have that alternating pattern but brian comes back in the fifth paragraph. brian comes back he's back. but he's back in it eric ponders immediately after that that is true and in so, the same sentence and and that's why i really feel like there could be some poetic form here it's sort of like you know a standard form that this has a lot of elements of oh a, a uh of so a like kind of like so like standard form like you know like i saw like ax squared plus bx plus c equals Ex- exa- a, yes perfect. exactly um, but then he went off the, you know, off the rhythm a little bit. And now we're sort of in a new, a new pathway here, a new kind of, uh, a chip shop, if you will, which I'm, I'm assuming is a place that sells French fries. Um, yes, he's from the UK. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, are there are shops that just sell chips, like, like potato chips. I mean, maybe but that that's where the cultural that's where cultural significance becomes really important like what is the background here like we don't we don't know for sure like where what is the location like so i would say that to sort let me let me let me rewind a little bit um so actually i do have an english major background outside of me being a complete jerk on the internet um and i (laughs) i uh, also have an improv background and so there's a lot of overlap with those two things um uh, even in poetry, you're you're going to have three significant things, and right off the bat, you almost always want to clarify the who, what, where, right? Yeah. So we we have the we have the who, uh, a butterfly, Eric and a butterfly. So the who isn't always like the name. So a lot of people look at who and they say, "Oh, I named the individuals. It's good." Who is really about the character, the relationship? Well, it's about it's about the, the person behind the name. Like you don't yes. have to have a name. For it to be, uh, for it to, for the who to exist, there are plenty of, of right. stories that don't have names. Right, but it's but it but even beyond just the person or the 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 identity itself, it's about the relationship relationship between the characters. And I feel like we we sort of we're we're struggling with that in the beginning. Like, so we have a question: Why are you an insect? So we have Brian that, and I feel Brian is very defined. But I don't know enough about Eric right now. We know he and likes that chips. That concerns me. He does like chips. That's true. He does like chips. You know, maybe we'll learn more about Eric because we still have five more chapters to go in this baby. So, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So, let's let's do it. Let's move on to chapter two, uh, The Mystic. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, it starts with a quote, but... 
It's Guru right. Eric. Yeah, but is Guru Eric different than Eric? I don't know. Is it, it might be the same Eric. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this as a different character. We are one with tractors. The calm voice of Guru Eric washed over the grotty masses. He was sat cross-legged on a small ornamental plinth. His assistant, Erica Nerny, keeping a calm yet alert eye over the crowd. He was, okay, I wonder if that's going to be important because Eric, Erica, those very close names. uh, It could either be just laziness or it could be uh, something profound. Let me take a note here. Crowd. Crowd. That's exactly (laughs) He was, adverti- <laughs> he was advertised as Mystic Eric, the wise one of Wessex. As such, had a following of hipsters, fools, and various unwashed gimboids. He had tried to rope Brian into this new attempt at founding an admittedly stupid religion, but had been told in no uncertain terms to bog off. Brian had bigger fish to fry, a giant wooden turbot, to be precise. Eric looked over his flock. There may be cold, but you will not be frozen. He stated in a level voice. Did you do that because of the Eric Erica uh, confusion? Are you trying to? No, I, in the first in the first one, I had Eric do a, a light voice. Uh, oh, okay. He's gaggle. Oh, because that's Guru Eric. This is regular Eric. Yes, I hear you. His gaggle of disciples looked on with eager anticipation, lapping up every word that the toga-clad weirdo on the platform spoke. They were loving every bit of this, and it showed in their silly grinning faces. Their grins grew wider as Eric prepared to speak once more. Corn may have ears, but it cannot hear you. This last one had the opposite effect to the desired one, as the entire crowd, including Eric, realized in one glorious moment that this whole thing was a load of bull nadgers. Oh, cock, look at the time, said Eric. Said the rooster that was lurking by Erica's side. You're right! With that, they all went off to find a pub. So, to, let's, let's to unpack here. Let's boil it down. I'm gonna do a technique here where you just boil down all. You get rid of all the fluff. Uh, Eric pretended to be a guru, and he ended up getting a bunch of hipsters and idiots to be like like him with tractors. And then he um, said something about being Frisian, and then they're all like, "Well, shit, corn can't hear you." And they're like, "Ah, oh, that's pretty good. You, we were all dumb. We fell for this. Let's go get drunk." That was my reading of it. You know, I I really feel that right now we have a constant theme of transformation, and I'm really interested in that. But here's the thing. The transformation in this one could be argued as a negative – or not necessarily negative transformation, but an anti-transcendental. So they were trying to approach that transcendental feeling of religion. Uh, much how transforming it through a butterfly, I would argue that's a transcendental transformation. Even from human to butterfly, that's pretty intense. But now they're stepping back and they're transforming away from that transcendental revelation and being like, "Now let's just go get drunk." You're not wrong, and 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 I think there's some accuracy there. I, I it could necessarily be just like you like you said, sort of this uh, this how to put it. It's an evolution, but it I see. Maybe I disagree with you. Actually, I don't know. Mm. Let me, let me, let me. Hold on. Let me just word it up a little. Let me, okay. let me word it up a little. You ready for this? I'm gonna drop some words on you. Okay. Step it up. All right. All right. So here's here's where I think we really get into the poetic nature of the prose. So this could be poetic prose, right? Um, we we have three Eric's, uh, Guru Eric, Eric, and then I know this is considered a separate character, but I'm actually gonna throw this out here just for for some 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 saucy bits. 
Erica. I feel right? like Erica's part of Eric. Uh, I I think so too. And so this character seems to have a very uh, he's he's very multi he, he's a multitude of characters at the same time. And I'm wondering, as a result, if we're looking at the different facets of a whole Eric. On the one side, we see Eric, who is a spiritual leader. On the other side, we see Eric, who is a drunkard. Yeah. And both of those sort of also segue into him being a bit of a manipulator, right? I, I feel like, and I feel like maybe the point is that there's an intersection between the two, that the goof... The goof drunkard and the spiritual the spiritual highliner both have something in common. They could be manipulators. Absolutely. I think Eric said it best um, when his audience grins grew wider, when he spoke once more and, and said, Corn may have ears, but it cannot hear you. That's a knee slapper. And That's a- it's, it's significant. It's significant. That is Not true. To mention, not to mention... Later on in the story, this is some amazing word work in my opinion. They mentioned cock, and at first you think, oh, like is, oh, is, oh, like oh, dickwad, you know, like oh, oh, poopy. But it's not. It's there's a rooster. There's, there's a, a rooster. rooster. There's, there's there. a cock there. Yeah, there's a cock there, and it's not sexual, which is right. uh, surprising. Um, and I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't sexual. I was I was getting revved up when I heard that word, but you know, absolutely. I but I, I feel it. like that's part of the 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 feeling that it's supposed to emit is that you know it's 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 supposed to rev you up. You're supposed to get excited. You're thinking, man, that was a good joke. Now they're gonna start. You know, they got the cock out. Look at the time. Is it fucking time? No, the cock says absolutely not. It's just a rooster, and it just says you're right. And um, they all. They're, they're, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Then they all go off to the pub. Maybe fucking times later, but it's not. Maybe now, now uh, it's pub. There, there's there's one other thing worth mentioning here, and I feel like I feel like most folks wouldn't catch this, but with my superb English major background, I have caught it. It's in my net. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm. I'm. Ooh. Eric rhymes with Brock. <laughs> Holy shit! It does. <laughs> Right? That's genius. Is there is there perhaps a fourth Eric lurking in it's the, the cock? When, is wait, wait, is Eric's is the cock just Eric's cock and he's calling it a Eric, rooster? Eric was the cock the whole time. <laughs> well, I mean he's kind of a cock if he's starting a fake religion, in my opinion. Uh, he he is very cocky. Yeah. And he's it's the rooster that's lurking by Erica, which sort of goes into this whole concept that Eric is just a multifactional force. He's split in multiple directions. He has going multiple everywhere. personas. He's all over. And also, he's in a position of power. Um, absolutely. I think it's also worth sort of mentioning and um, just that the first chapter is called Chapter One, but this chapter is called The Mystic. The Mystic. And, you know, we could, we could scratch that up to uh, bad organization, but I feel like it's something deeper because chapter one maybe is something where it's just something you can't describe, but this is something mystical. Every word here seems significant, so I don't want to write anything off just yet. Okay, well, let's move on to chapter three, the hazard, or just hazard, actually. Actually, I read a book right. called Hazard once. It wasn't half bad. I mean, it had like all like the weird, like, racist misogynistic problems that a book from the early 70s would have but it's Naturally. like it was it wasn't a half bad book i mean it was it was weird it was about psychic spies but other than that good sexy spy thriller i enjoyed it on to the other hazard though which is this chapter 
Eric stood on the little platform, looking at his surroundings. He loved Russia, its landscape, its people, its music. He also adored trains, and that's why he set this venture up here in the first place. The extraordinary cheapness of the land he'd bought helped him too. But there you go. Brian agreed to helping with this project, but only if it would have a Dukes of Hazards theme to it. That was his current thing, and not cold sway, not could sway him from it. So Eric agreed. The project was therefore a Dukes of Hazard themed ultra narrow gouge railway in the capital city of Russia. It was called the Moscow Pico Train. Not sure I got the joke on that one, but I do think someone's supposed to get it. I haven't watched Dukes of Hazard in a very long time. <laughs> huh. Let's see here. Um, wow. This is profound. You're going to have to you have to lift me up apps. here. I'm well, currently... I mean, I'm still... Like I said, I read books from the 70s. I'm still very much in the Cold War mindset. For, you, for this to be profound to me, you're going to have to convince me that Russia isn't out to nuke me right now. Sure. So let's let's look at the big picture real fast. Each of these chapters is a vignette of Eric's life, right? And Brian. Um, yeah, and Brian's right. But but right now we I feel like overall we really have a focus on Eric. Um, Brian hasn't been brought up since chapter one, but Eric is the consistent through line of all these chapters. Eric isn't involved in all of them. Uh, Brian had too big a fish to fry in the last chapter. In this one, he just really likes Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. I... I I I I've heard so to, to be to be frank I just I think Brian is sort of like a as of right now I think he's an after effect of error I think he's like a, an imaginary friend almost that's the vibe I'm getting he's right an now. he's an Adobe after effect he's a yes a CGI of uh, a YouTube video in a way one of those CGIs I've heard so much one about. of those fancy CGIs the kids are all screaming about so. Okay, so we have a couple themes going on. So for, what's interesting is the previous chapter suggests he, you know, he goes to a, they all go up to a pub, right? We yeah. have completely moved on from that, which goes with, again with the whole vignette thing. Um, he's standing on a platform, mm -hmm. and it's it's described as a little platform, little platform. Well, because it's an a little ultra ultra narrow gauge railway, right? Right, right, right. But he, he's looking at his surroundings, and. It, after he describes his surroundings, it doesn't describe the surroundings. It 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 describes his love, which I think is that's uh, an interesting turn. It's 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 beautiful. So it's the, the the next sentence isn't describing like it doesn't say he sees Russia, its landscape, its people, its music. It says he loved Russia, its landscape, its people, its music. So what if? Hear me out. His surroundings wasn't Russia at the time. Maybe. You know, the project he wanted to do was in Russia, but right now he's not there. Like he's longing to be in Russia and its landscape and the people and the music. You know, I th I think that's very possible, and I I think this could be him reminiscing about his love for Russia. Like you said, it's just him looking back at this time where things almost worked out, where he almost had the Moscow Pico train. Yeah, it was almost there. It was right on the money. Because I mean, there's no way he was able to get land in Moscow for cheap. I mean, it's you know, it's. That's a city. It's got it's got value in that land. I want to go to a bar and order a Moscow Pico train. <laughs> just to see what they give you. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Can I get a uh, Moscow Pico train? Is that uh, they probably just take some uh, some uh, some Tabasco, shove it in some vodka, and then like throw it in your face. <laughs> Be like, there uh, you right, go. Yeah, yeah th there it is. The, the Moscow, Moscow Pico, Pico train. train. 
I'm going to make that a drink name. I'm going to make that like just a colloquialism everywhere. It's going to happen. Dude, I actually was able to get a, I got a, I, was, I tried to get a colloquialism going for Whataburger, which was orgasm style. It almost worked. But orgasm style was when you toasted the bun on both sides, cut it in half, added uh, caramelized onions, and then you get honey butter dipping sauce on the side. And I almost got the people at the Whataburger to start recognizing it. I Every time I go in, I'd be like, I want orgasm style. And they'd be like, I got a few people. And they're like, I know what you mean. But so do you, do you mean like like the song oh, 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 orgasm style like that? E- exactly. Like I would bring in a, a, a Korean man with sunglasses just just to clarify because there was I'm another with, I'm thing. with it. There was another thing called orgasm style where they would just they would just come on your burger and it was it was disgusting. I mean I'd always get it by accident, but you know whenever I didn't bring the guy in with the sunglasses, they'd be like, well, okay, yeah, I know what you want, and they just jerk off my burger real quick, and I was not a fan. Um, but I was a fan of the, the, the opagasm style, you know, um, like the, do you want to, can you, can you show me what that looks like? The, uh, the, the, well, I mean, I could, but we would have to be, we put on FBI watch list. Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 okay. I mean, I don't want, I I don't want to Kevin Spacey you, um, because, I mean, most of those uh, Whataburger employees are under the age of 18. Um, Would you call that a Moscow Pico train? <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> depends on how north we are. Um, <laughs> let's let's move yeah. on to the next, um, I guess you would call this poetry. The next poetry, which is chapter four, Tropical Thing. Eric sat, not forlorn. He felt tired, but not worn. Above him was a tropical sky. A parakeet was flying by. Pina colada in his hand as he sat on coral sand. Not far off, Eric knew, Brian prepped a barbecue. A gentle breeze disturbed a palm, but generally, as was calm, all was calm. As he gazed out to the sea, waves crashed on a coral reef. Soon the family would appear from their homes far and near. Tonight they'd party and be daft. But now this beach was where it's at. So this is actually a Marquette. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a, it is a 16 line poem. Uh, I think it's it, it, the rhyme scheme is A A B C C D D D E F F E. Oh, so almost a Marquette, almost a Marquette. Not not quite, but I mean, daft and at's a bit of an imperfect rhyme there. Um, yeah, I, and I mean, it, it doesn't do a three one three one three one, but it, it's 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 close enough to a Marquette where I would just I would just throw it out as that, and just or or um yeah 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 yeah, yeah. or quatern I think is the other one. Uh, quatern has sixteen lines, but. It's not four separate stanzas. This is all one set stanza. This is all just one so it, set. Yeah. But I would I would still call it a quaturn, I guess. I think that might it's a quaturn more than a marquette. So I I'd mean, say that's probably accurate. I could call this bars. I mean, like, you know, if you throw a sick beat behind this, like maybe a little like a uh, steel drum. In fact, I have some steel drum in here. You you want to wrap this real quick? Eric sat not 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 forlorn. He felt tired but not worn. Above him was a tropical sky. A parakeet was flying by. Pina colada in his hand as he sat on coral sand. Not far off, Eric knew. Brian prepped a barbecue. A gentle breeze disturbed the palm, but generally all was calm as he gazed out to the sea. Waves crashed on a coral reef. 
Soon the family would appear from their homes far and near. Tonight they party and be dead. But now this beach was where it's at. Wish I had air horns there, but yeah. Sorry, I had to put the steel drum back on the. Uh, I only have like maybe I don't have very much table space. <laughs> so can I, I uh, can I can I borrow your steel drum? Oh yeah, sure. You know, uh, do you want it shipped by UPS or FedEx? Um, I don't know. Just like coming to my house, it's like what two minutes away. About two minutes. Yeah, here. Let me. I'll, I'll walk there real quick. All right. All right. See you in a bit, man. Oh hey yeah, come on in. Uh, okay, okay, dude. So you want the steel drum? Nah, yeah, it's fine. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, okay. Well, here, let me walk back to my mic, um, just to keep the recording. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a. I mean, it's only two minutes away, but it's all a twenty-minute run. Yeah. Well, hey, good on you, good on you, uh, proud of you. It's how, it's how I um, keep this a uh, uh, four hundred pound body. It's all muscle oh, in the well, thighs. You know, uh, so while you were running, I was looking at the punctuation of the poem. Okay. So I find punctuation critical in understanding what a poem's intent is or what it's about. And and there's something interesting here is that the poem only has one period. And it has a lot of commas. (laughs) Yes. The period's at the end. So this is all one sentence. And you know, I'm not completely against the one sentence poem. There's a poem we read on the last poetry bash. We not poetry bash. That sounds horrible. Poetry uh, slam down. Uh, poetry bash sounds like we just like made fun of poetry. <laughs> like, dude, that's, that's, but there was another thing where the, essentially the, the, the each, poetry put his face into the dirt. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We take the poetry, we slam it into the fucking sewers. But um, the uh, no, the last poetry thing we did, we had a poem called uh, "My Bed Sheets Are uh, uh, My Dreams Are Broken, My Bed Sheets Smell Like You" or something like that. And they also did a thing where like they had like a bunch of stanzas, but the stanzas were essentially just run-on sentences, and it worked really well. I don't know about this one. <laughs> Because there's a pair just at the end, and while reading it, I didn't, I didn't notice. I just figured the guy just didn't put any periods in until, until well, you know. So usually, usually a line break, if you have no periods or punctuation, usually that will suggest significance or a pause. So poems can get away without having a period because they you can use line breaks as pause they can use uh like you know capitalization of letters as pause and you're not really speaking in full sentences usually so like a period would just be confusing to some degree right and but that's why i'm confused with this because there's only a period at the end which to me creates the the idea that everything else here is just one sentence just one long one really long sentence long sentence yeah i i i I gotta say that it's 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 the to me, it's the Achilles heel of this poem. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the life's, it's, you know what? It's, you know, it's the life sentence of this poem. And and it's going to be put to death. It's going to be put to death. It's, it was written in Texas, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to the second to last, uh, I guess, you, uh, poem slash story slash musings of the concussed Warner Hedgehog. We're all over the place now. We're all over. I mean, we yeah, we've just been we've been bouncing left and right, up and down, plus Z minus Z even I would say. So I just I just want to say I'm really excited for the next chapter. It's called Brian's Wheeze. 
I just, I'm just really pumped up for that. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, so that's the final chapter. I, I'm pretty yeah. excited. Let's see if we can. Let's see if this chapter dog can sustain our excitement. Brian looked on as Eric worked hard at his training. Eric had entered himself into the big, big hiney dog agility trials, and as such, was currently a herbaceous border collie. It was t- taken some work to achieve, but thanks to sponsorship and funding from the Make a Fish Foundation and the expertise of animal conversion specialists like Derek's Dog Days, he had now he had now four legs, a tail, and due to his including a flower theme in his specifications, a lovely patch of germinus violets and pansies growing out of his head. The training was going well because it was being carried out under the watchful gaze of dog and idiot trainer Victoria Footwell. Slim, brunette, and dressed in skin-tight leather, Brian had attracted Victoria's stern gauge. What a weird-looking man, she thought. On the day of the trials, Eric did well and finished second. Victoria's thought was proven correct as Brian won weirdest-looking thing. I like to point out, uh, that's a slam on Brian there. Uh, he goes to uh, support his dog friend, flower person, um, in this dog contest, and they just hand him, they just pull him over and be like, hey, by the way, you, you're you fucking weirdo, bro. Get the get, get up on stage, baby. We got a... <laughs> Woo! Fucking weirdo over here. Get him a trophy. And they had one made, so they knew they were going to just do that to somebody. And I got to say, that is yeah. the... That is some old-fashioned um, society right there. You know, it's something that we we don't get we 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 don't get today. You know, I got to tell you that this is probably the first part where I, I really feel like the story missed its mark. You're not a fan of this. So so Victoria thinks to herself, "What a weird-looking man," and then later on, it says that her thought was proved correct when Brian won weirdest-looking thing. But that's not what she thought. She thought he was a man. She thought he was a man. But apparently he wasn't. And, he was a thing. Right. So her thought wasn't proven correct. It was proven wrong. I, I would argue this is a, an easy uh, uh, phase three uh, plot hole, you know? Like in this cinematic universe, this is phase three. We're entering the Civil War era. And that that is a glaring plot hole. We're going to have to we're gonna, we're gonna have to hit up Warner and let him know that thing and man, that's very dehumanizing, you know? It's honestly it's just, not woke. There's also the big hiney dog agility trials. Like these dogs have big hineys. These are big butt dogs. I big mean, booty, I'm big not, booty bitches is an accurate <laughs> phrase in this situation. And you know what? I'm not a fan of sexualizing dogs. They have enough insecurities as they have. Also, I, I agree. Also, you know, a thick dog may not be a healthy dog. And that's not to say, and that's specifically because like, you know, when dogs have big booties, that means they're pretty fat usually. Like you should really go talk to the, the, their hips. Like they have hip dysplasia problems and you should really, you know. They're, yeah, you're right. And as we all know, um, inbreeding with dogs needs to stop. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the, well, no, I, I, it's, you know, dogs have the whole thing. Most of them have like hip issues and things like that because of the sheer amount of inbreeding, like dog yeah. foods in general. Yeah, like, like, like dogs the whole... are, well, because we like kind of made them like uh, uh, And maybe that's, and you know what though, maybe, maybe that's what the author's getting at though. Maybe that's why a dog competition is labeled weirdest looking thing because we are manipulating we're, dogs. Well, we're commodifying them. Maybe that's what the we whole point of the, the the dog competition is, that we're commodifying and consumerizing these dog, these dog ideas i mean honestly you know this criticism could just be like you know it's just a criticism of dog of dog breeding culture in general 
and you know, the more I think about it, we have a lot. So we have a lot of like company names here and just names in general. Big Tiny Dog Agility Trials, Make a Fish Foundation, Derek's Dog Days. And maybe this is a, a metaphor for the consumerism in this country, right? I, I, think, I think it might be. I think that, you know, Warner Hedgehog might agree with us when, when we say that, you know, there's too much inbreeding in dogs and that, you know, that's why he included this weirdest looking thing as a nice, he didn't want to get overtly political in his uh, feel good romp, but he wanted to give a tip to a, a little tippity hat to the tip of the fedora to us, a more politically minded. You know, I, I wish I owned a fedora. You know, I have a friend, uh, his name is Thomas, and he uh, almost bought a fedora, but himself from the future told him not to. And so, and he feels better about it. So uh, I, uh, maybe you shouldn't. Can you ask him to write me a letter? Um, he might be able to write you a letter, but he's going to have to scan it and email it to you. Uh, okay. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll yeah, let that, him know. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, NBD. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have a post office in his area. Only uh, internet. Yeah, you know how the Midwest be. <laughs> Classic Midwest. <laughs> well, you know we're super excited about this last part because we're on. I'm I'm so ready because it's on Brian's wheeze. Oh, and so yes, and I want to know why is he wheezing? What's the wheezing about? I get into it. I'm down to here. So let's just let's just let's just dive in, like a diver, like uh, an Olympic diver with a scuba tank. So that not only can he do the perfect swan dive, he can go to the depths of the ocean and chill there and read chapter six. Brian's week. You know, I I just want to say that I I um I got my certification in scuba diving way long ago and was taught by this old man. He was so mean. He just insulted me constantly. Nice. That's the way to anyway, go. Anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's the way to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Old man insulting you? <laughs> oh, gosh. He was like, come on, fatty. Get out of the pool. And you were like, Those I can't. Weights are... And you're like, I, I can't, can't. I need more weight on my weight belt. My fat's too buoyant. <laughs> it was so rough. It was so rough. And when he the would, like, wor- smoke his cigarette in the middle of this indoor pool. It was just terrible. And then, like, you know, the worst part is when he says, like, get into the pool. I like, get farther down into the pool. And you're like, I need more yeah. weights. And he's like, sorry, this is a community, community, you know, community center. We don't have that many weights. Like, all we got is, like, what we have. So just, just force yourself down there. I mean, that must have been an intense workout. Yeah, it, it was, uh, but I, I gained no muscle from it. Just pain. That's the way to go. That's... <laughs> That's the way to That's live. That's the way, man. That's, That's the, the way. way. Yeah, brother. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, uh, ch- ch- Woo! Chapter six. <laughs> Woo! Brian peeked out from behind the curtains. He had been very busy setting up the wheeze of the century and was waiting for the payoff. Around the door was a veritable arsenal of weaponry. A flamethrower, a machine gun, a harpoon gun, a big spiky ball and a stick, a trap door, a big axe, and a vicious-looking taser. Next to the door was an array of doorbells and jauntily written signs saying, Choose wisely. One of the doorbells was actually attached to a door chime, and the rest activated a variety of hiddenless, harmless things, including confetti cannon, a water squirter, an air horn, and a bunch of firecrackers. The arsenal of weapons did nothing apart from the machine gun, which had a big bang flag. 
Eric had gone to the local tasteless horde junkin tat hypermarket to pick up some polystyrene flavored rice like almost rice cakes and was due back in mere moments. Brian spotted Eric mincing up the street and hurried to his chair to look all nonchalant when Eric came in. He was somewhat disappointed to hear nothing apart from the door opening and closing. I just wanted to see if you thought I would left. Uh, (laughs) 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 The other problem is I don't know. I don't know who. I think that's Brian. You think it's Brian? Yeah, because he's saying, didn't you notice anything? And he's the one who set up the wheeze. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's such a okay. It could be Erica. Didn't you notice anything, fish chops? He asked in exasperation. Was there something to see? Eric countered. My hilarious gag. Brian wailed. You ignored my hilarious gag. He managed to produce, pronounce the italics despite putting an oversilly emotional. Ugh. He managed to pronounce the italics despite putting on an, a silly, overly emotional voice. Oh, sorry. I thought I was distracted by this. Eric handed over a framed photograph of a cardboard bee. You went into your bee board again, didn't you? Brian accused. Eric looked at his feet in shame, muttering. Yes. What was that? With more volume and conviction, Eric said. Yes. Fair enough, replied Brian, who promptly forgot about it all. The end. If that you know, if that wasn't a tease, then uh, I don't know what is. I, you're telling me. I, I felt like I was, you know, I was flirting with someone over the internet for the very first time. It just and then at the very of, end, they dropped a the bomb. They dropped the bomb. They're like, "Hey, I'm dating my dad. I'm going to a purity ball in 20 minutes. Would you like to join?" And you're like. Ooh, you're thirty, <laughs> and you know, and then I. So, you know, I, I, I guess I feel like at this point in the game, it's important to look at the big picture. Big. Picture. Uh, if we, if yeah, so, if we're if we're looking for the through line in all this, uh, and then we're trying to look at the climax of the story, what are the two things that we should be looking at? Brian and Eric, obviously, but mainly oh, yeah, Eric. But so. Right, but mainly Eric, but what about their relationship? Well, right? so they kind of don't seem like friends. Or like yeah, not very I, strong friends. I mean, I guess Brian is tangential. Maybe uh, Eric seems to be the uh one who's doing all the things and then Brian is just tagging along. And then when Brian tries to do something, Eric just ignores it. He ignores his hilarious gag. You know, Brian, you know, was just the, um, you, you know, Brian was just the butterfly. He was just the weird looking thing. He was just the barbecue cooker. He was just the fish fryer. He w- But then when Brian had the chance to be the main character in a short story, his gag was ignored. Why? So that Eric could look at a bee. I think this is a great I, injustice. I actually feel that this chapter... I, I sort of read through it again, and I, I think I I think I understand everything now. You understand? Okay, enlighten me. So, the entire story had a series of gags, right? Gags and goofs. Brian Brian is something of a self insert. Okay, and here here's my here's my argument. Um, my hilarious gag, Brian wailed. You ignored my hilarious gag, which the story is filled with. 
Exactly. And then, right. But so, so this is Brian. He's he's critiquing Eric, and perhaps Eric represents this this force. Eric represents the audience. What what if Eric? What if Brian is actually the insecure part of Eric? That's also possible. I mean, those are both very true things. Which I mean, to be fair, if you're saying Eric is some overbearing oh not overbearing but force that is trying to like the audience or something that is looking down that is isomorphic to brian being the insecure part of eric you know it's the same relationship i I would agree but of course eric earlier on was also a prophet of sorts he was a prophet i mean he talked about the corn right so i think that the last line to me solidifies the idea that it, it is accepting that the audience doesn't matter it is the acceptance of the work as it is of of the content being what it needs to be sure it's hilarious it's a hilarious gag to some but it also it lost it to is. a b which yeah a lot of things did because jerry seinfeld did make a b movie and that b you movie know, became it, one of the greatest memes of all time and one of the only movies to support regulated capitalism as a kid movie. So, ah, oh, God, what a that really gets Reagan feeling good. <laughs> that really gets Reagan pumped up in the old <laughs> casket hole. <laughs> um, yeah, I know the fact that Brian forgot all about it. That just says all I need to know to know that I can forget all about the story and move on from it. Sounds good. Uh, so let's get our ratings in. Uh, so you haven't been on before, so uh, I'm just gonna ask you for the entire story as is right now. How zero? How many Harry Potters out of five would you get it? Uh, you know, I'd give it three. I'd give three, it three Harry, Harry Potters. Potters out of five. Uh, yeah. I'd give it uh, three. Actually, three sounds fair to me. I mean, I had a good time reading it. It had some deep points in it. It had some, uh, but it did have some not deep points in there. And also the um. I do feel like, you know, I feel like he'd be better. I feel like it could be uh, a little fleshed out and moving on. Uh, Warner, keep on writing, as always. Uh, but yeah, we had a good time. Uh, we have some reviews here as well. One from, uh, as mentioned earlier by Matt, by ZM uh, on February 18th of 2019. Nice poem. And from ZM, the same person from February 18th, uh, 2019, he also wrote, lol. So one person really likes it. Hey, you know, that's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need. So we're going to take a quick break to get to our sponsors. Um, sadly, we haven't, I don't know if we got Topo Chico yet, but I mean, the amount of burping Matt was doing earlier makes me think that there might be a Topo Chico ad in there, but I'm not sure about it. But uh, uh, were you able to, I was going to say, were you able to get any of the uh, like rice-like almost rice cakes from the story? I, I tried. I tried. I actually contacted them yesterday and they told me that I'm a filthy sea creature and that octopuses don't deserve rice. And I was, I mean, I was, I was willing to accept it, but I mean, I was able to get their competitor, which was, you know, rice, like definitely rice cakes. And honestly, those are much better. They're definitely rice cakes. So you right. Fuck rice like almost rice cakes. Fucking rice like fuck rice cakes. Fuck fuck. That's the well. No 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 no. Don't fuck 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 almost right. You want to? We our sponsor is uh, definitely rice cakes. Oh uh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Don't worry, they're sponsoring this show. They uh they have no uh. Um. <laughs> well, we'll be right back after the break.
And we're back from the break. That was some cool sponsorship there. Um, uh, I guess this is a time. I know that Matt, you were paid to come on this show by a company I've never heard of. Um, do you, they said you're going to do an ad break now. Do you do you do you have that on file? Yeah, let me let me just let me just pull up that. Uh, so actually, um, I'm sponsored by uh, Wacky Larry's uh, Mattress and Nacho Cheese Sauce Emporium. Yeah, wait. They sell. Uh, do they make mattresses out of nacho cheese sauce, or do they make nacho cheese? No, no, sauce? no, 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 no. They, they they just sell both. They just sell mattresses oh, and nacho cheese sauce. That sounds like I don't want nacho cheese sauce in my mattress. Well, yeah, that's why they don't put it on there. It's just they're separate, you know. But did, I also don't want. So so they put. So I'm eating nachos. Yeah, I'm on my right. bed. Right. But then there's nacho cheese sauce on my mattress. I mean, that's your choice, man. I mean, I'm not saying Wacky Larry does that. That sounds like that sounds like a you thing, you know? I mean, I can kind of see that. Okay. I mean, I just. Well, you wanna you wanna talk about it? I mean, I I I'd rather talk about it with my therapist. Um, in a more. I'm your therapist. Well, you're not patient therapist confidentiality. Um. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but see, what do they, what do they wanted to sell for? What, they had a sale or something going on today? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, just mattresses and nacho cheese sauce. That's, that's oh, it's just, just, that's that, that's it. Oh, they just wanted to remind people that's what they sell. Well, I, I mean, you want me to play the ad? I mean, I guess I could. I mean, if, if you, you really, me if you want to, I mean, I don't know what ah. your contract was. I mean, they just, they sent me a very threatening email. <laughs> I'm gonna be ah, uh, I'm gonna be real with you, man. Wacky Larry is uh, whew, you know he pays me a lot of money, but he doesn't read the uh, the text. You know what I'm saying? Uh, He's not reading those contracts. You know what I mean? So we can just get away with anything then. Uh, we could do anything. I don't even think he knows that I am on this. To be frank with you, Wacky Larry like does not pay attention to what I do. Real, that's crazy. He sent me the most threatening email. Like he was telling me, well, like, oh wait, yeah, definitely. I, I know why. I, I, I've, I've been dating his wife. Yeah, you also critiqued his emporium. Yeah, I mean, I do that. I do that daily on Twitter. I go on there. Yeah, and it's that's gonna kind of get a guy moving yeah and then you know i also make my uh my my i'm dating his wife and i make that very public um i thought that it would be more entertaining for both me and you know she's lacking adventure and that's why she's you know having an affair in the first place so i thought i'd make it even more adventurous to make it public but all i did was make it uh very well known that i was doing it Uh. and so he's uh he's definitely um sending just just so many things to me because he knows what's happening and you know we're both denying like oh we're not doing it but then also on twitter i'm like totally sending pics vids i'm shocked at how public she makes it as well i know right it's like it was crazy is that like if you ever get her and and me or him in public and private we deny everything yeah we pull a full uh nixon on it you know just oh no no what are you talking about that's all that's all social media uh fakeness we're just faking it for the likes. Faking it till we're making it. Woo! But then we are making it. Woo! A lot of it. Yeah, we're. I'm making a lot of things. True. Like nacho cheese, I've heard. Uh, 
Yeah. Or Topo Chico. I ate so much, so much nacho cheese. I ate so many mattresses <laughs> before coming onto the show. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, God. Isn't that, isn't that America's problem? Yeah. There's too many mattresses. I am America's problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's me. Well, let's move on to the next story. So let's see if this next story can... Uh, we had a pretty good... We liked the last story quite a bit. So let's see if we can uh, yeah. move on to the next story. And let's see if it will be just as high praise. Um, this story is written by a man named Joshua Hall. He decided to put his full name... or maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's not his full name. It could be a pen name. But he's, that's his name on fictionpress.com. Uh, he's written one story. Uh, it's this one. And he says he writes stories. I've started writing my first book. And that book is Hacks, The Appearance of Mallory, which is the uh, story we're going to be reading today. So um, let's just, you know, it's it's an interesting, it's going to be a spy thriller. It's, it's going to be, it's an interesting story. I think this one might beat Harry Potter. Ooh. Anyway, I mean, All right. it's pretty good. So let me link you, let me drop you a link. Oh, yeah, let's drop that link. And, it, you know, you got to be ready because these these voices, they make the story. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do this. This is Hacks the Appearance of Mallory, Mallory, published December 12th of 2018. Chapter 1, Mallory. Zach clambered out of the stationary taxi and walked towards a large building. He walked inside and looked around. Long corridors and steep staircases was all he could see. He turned a corner to see a lift. He clicked a button which led to the lift's door smoothly opening. He went in cautiously. He pressed the button which had a star 3 scratched into it oddly. The doors closed this with a slam. He noticed small, dainty footsteps on the ceiling. Then he heard a large bang. The, lar- the lift shook and then he began to fall. He hit his head on a corner where a hospital bed would go in the lift. He fell unconscious on the floor. He woke up and looked around frantically to find out where he was. Just then a blistered, chubby face appeared in front of him, just inches away from his face. Where am I? And who are you? Zack asked. She looked at him like he should know where he was already. I'm Mallory Fishers, and you are in the hospital. Mallory replied. Just then, Mallory went round my bed, looking at me carefully to distract me from... I fell asleep faster than I have ever had before. Mallory had set off an alarm, so she ran out of the teen ward and down the corridor, up a flight of stairs, and into the morgue. She ran in, and there he was. Zack's dad, Jack White. I bet you're the person who killed my son around seven and a half minutes ago. He said with emotion. He looked at her murderous face with all her blisters and her thick curly hair that gets naughty when you touch it. I didn't kill him. She weeped. The silence of the morgue now broken out. Now, okay, I'm just going to, I'm already a little lost. (laughs) You You want me to, you want me to step in? Yeah, let's. You want, uh, you want me to take this? No, I, I mean, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna step through this a little quick second. He's in an elevator. He presses a button. He blows up. He's in the hospital, and his lady's like, "I'm Mallory," and then she walks out the door, and then this, and then Jack White, the legendary guitarist, is there, and he's like, "Hey, you killed my son," and he's like, "I didn't." That's where we're at right now. We're there. We're there together. The silence of the morgue had now broken out, and now Jack was mumbling something into his dark-shirted pocket. Agent 913, come to the St. Jonathan's Hospital morgue now with a gun. Yes, it's me, Agent 01. Mally looked up at him with innocence, but also with pure crime in her. 
<laughs> I love that. She looked up with innocence, but also pure crime. Pure crime <laughs> in her eyes. But also innocence. <laughs> Don't forget the innocence in there. If you look... If you looked closer into your eyes, you would have a brown ring. Then in the center around the small room of her people, a fiery shade of orange would finish her eyes. After five minutes, three police officers came rushing through the morgue doors and then a spy-looking fellow with the numbers 913 on his shirt pocket. The police officers walked over to Mallory and picked her up very harshly. Mallory Fishers, I am arresting you on suspicion of attempted murder. You do not have to say anything that will harm your defense. Anything you do say will be used for evidence and will later rely on in court. Explained one of the three officers, you know, just one of them. I hate you, Jack. I absolutely hate you. Mumbled Mallory as she was pulled out of the morgue. The door slammed closed with a thud, and the cold mist moved from the rim of the door into the bitter air. Jack chuckled, then walked out of the morgue. He's very, you know, nonchalant for his son being murdered. Um, you know, he's just chuckling. No, just, just, just a nice cash. <laughs> just a nice, nice cash day. You know, he was able to find a murderer, the murderer of his, oh, yeah. the murderer of his son, nonetheless. I mean, that's a big, that's a big catch. I don't know what to tell you there. Zach was laid in the hospital bed, unresponsive. Doctors rushing in and out of doorways. Zach was dead. Doctor Davids walks in and talks to the doctor assistant. Dr. Davids was a specialized doctor who knew everything about your inner body. He had studied hacks for 18 years of his life, so he came up with an idea. Maybe he could bring Zach back to life by making a hacked chest piece so small it wouldn't appear on x-rays. It would control his heart, lungs, and digestive system. It would only work if he had the right blood. He did. That night fell, and the hospital was merely quiet enough to let all patients rest and sleep. Dr. Davids began implanting the small device into his chest and then powered it on. Zach would now have to wait a few hours before he'd fully recover from this. After a few hours, there was a sudden gasp and cries coming from the room where Zach was kept. It was the morning now, and Zach was told very, very carefully. Uh, due to this implement implantation with this microscopic device... You can't drive a car for four and a half months due to memory loss and sudden lack of breath. <laughs> end of chapter one. <laughs> and there's not an end quote there. Not an end so quote. Everything else, everything else is still part of that. <laughs> everything else is just to retell. Everything after is part of that. According to the yeah. doctor. So how do you feel I about the wanna, chapter? I, <laughs> I, you know, I got to rewind to this sentence. I just want to read it again. And, and because I read this perfectly, just just I want to be clear about this. <clears throat> um, Mallory Fishers, I am arresting you on suspicion of attempted murder, comma. That's fine. The comma's good. Okay. You do not have to say anything that will harm your defense. Anything you do say will be used for evidence and will later rely on in court. <laughs> then comes the next comma. End quote. <laughs> End quote. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a that's a doozy. I love how the kid's dead, and then this guy who studied um hacks, which you know, <laughs> you know all the famous hacks. Um, usually that's what they call a doctor who doesn't know what he's talking about. But um, they just put a little device in this guy's chest, and he's alive again. But he just can't drive a car for four and a half months. I mean, that makes sense. You know, whenever you come back to life, that's the first thing they tell you. So you can't drive a car. Like, like, whenever you die, like, wherever you go in the afterlife, they're like, listen, man, I don't know if you're going to come back, but if you do, you can't drive a car for four and a half months. Because you'll be out of breath and very weird in your head for a little bit. 
Yeah, you won't remember anything because you'll just be a silly poo-poo brain. You'll be silly poo-poo brain, and you'll be breathing really hard, so you really shouldn't drive. Really, really hard. How much do you um, want to bet that that is an important plot point, that he can't drive a car, that that's going to be referenced and important for the rest of the story? I'm gonna add, I want to basically say that if you had to ask me if I should bet some money on that, uh, I would I would tell you, okay. Okay, cool. So you got the money? Yeah, yeah. Let me just. I got. Uh, I got a receipt that has money on it. Oh, okay. Uh, here, let me see. I got. I got. A different receipt. You want to just trade? Yeah, I'll work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So if 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 they do reference it, we have to trade back. Yeah, that's that's totally okay. cool. So let's move on to chapter two called House Fire. Dr. Davids ran over and began talking. Hello, Zach White. How are you feeling? All right, I guess, replied Zach. Zach had a 10-minute chat with Dr. Davids, then he finally let Zach return home. Zach walked over to the car park and looked around. His phone bleeped a notification. Zach freed it from his pocket and powered on. It read, 42-year-old woman arrested for attempted murder on teen. Zack froze in place and gulped. Mallory. That is Mallory, muttered Zack as he studied the photo of her. The photo looked like it was taken in the early 2000s. It was blurred and had that kind of old but not too old feeling to it. She had been arrested before. He switched off the phone and started to walk down the hospital path to the bus stop. He clambered on... Oh, you see, it's referenced again. He can't drive. He has to take the bus. No subways for him. Uh, yeah, true. You want, you want to trade back? No, no, I want to keep this. No, that's fine. I like I like your receipt better, too. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. dude. He clambered on the bus and then sat down next to an elderly lady who had her who had curly gray, ha- gray hair and a green cardigan. Zach stopped off just over one mile from his home. He walked across the village into his home, sweet home. <laughs> sorry. I just love that. <laughs> to his home, sweet home, you know. Then his phone bleeped again, but this time with a when he with a pulled it out. Okay, okay, I'm gonna have to restart that one. Then his phone bleeped again, but this time with a pulled it out, and it read, "Hello there, Zach. It's me, Dad, and I've got something to tell you." Mallory is Zach's phone died. He couldn't <laughs> he couldn't view the rest of his message, so he assumed that he was going to tell him that Mallory had been arrested. He ran down the driveway and slid the key into the lock. He swung open the door to see his house had set fire when he was in the hospital, and his kitchen was gone. Black and dusty walls, cracked and sooty floors, and metal and glass shards scattered around the smashed oven door. That was a long sentence. Who would do such a thing? I turned all the appliances off in all the rooms. I always do, he thought. He closed and locked the door. <laughs> what a what a what a very like well written out thought. Like, who would do such a thing? Like just thinking that in your head. Like like I would I, I would think in my head, what the hell? Like, I turned off all who the appliances, right? <laughs> Just going through his list in the head very calmly. Uh, It's the best written part of the entire story. Absolutely. He closed and locked the door and ran to his auntie's just down the road so he could stay with her for until his kitchen is rebuilt. The door opened slowly. Uh, Did you hear the knock knock? Uh, Oh, I heard. Okay. The door opens slowly and creaks as she opens it. Hello, Zach. Why have you come here in such a hurry? She asked. Well, it's an embarrassing story, really. Well, my kitchen set fire, and I can't stay in my house. How embarrassing. 
<laughs> you know how embarrassing it is when your house burns down? I always blush. Oh my God, dude. I'm always, I never call the fireman because I'm like, I would have to admit that my house burned down. Yeah, uh, same. I get so much ribbing. Replied Zach. His aunt just chuckled discreetly and let Zach in. Ooh, have you heard the news? Asked Zach, Zach's aunt. About an attempted murder on a teenager? Asked Zach. Apparently, it was someone with the same name as me. It was me. I was in hospital when my house set fire. Shouted Zach. The doors to Uncle Sam's room opened, and Uncle Sam walked out hunching over his long and thin walking stick. Oh, hi, Zachster. How are you, chap? He asked. I'm okay, Sam. Zach replied. Uncle Sam had been diagnosed with cancer just four four months ago, but he's doing well. He's 94 and he still smiles whenever he says Zachster. It makes him happy. He only has 28 more days to live. <laughs> okay, guy. Okay, I'm just going to have to... Uh, Joshy, Joshy boy. You can't say that he's doing well when he has 28 <laughs> more days to live. Those are contradictory statements. I mean, I guess unless he's really cool with dying in 28 days, then I guess he's doing well. Which, I mean, is that the interpretation we're supposed to get? I don't know if we're supposed to get any kind of an interpretation here. <laughs> I mean, are, are you, are you, so you're working with no interpretation. I, I need to finish the chapter. <laughs> He only has 28 more days to live, apparently to doctors. Zach feels that he won't die and he will instead fight it. Aunt Judy loved her news. She would buy a Sky HD box and only pay for all news channels, so whenever Zach went over as a kid, there would only be newspapers around. <laughs> Zach looked at her, looked at the news, and saw that Mallory's trial will be held next Wednesday at their local court. End of chapter. Something about that sentence just... She so she bought a sky she bought a news channel, right? Yeah. So that who went over there's a kid, there's only newspapers. Cause there's no other way to get the news than the newspapers. <laughs> I wanna level with you. I don't understand anything. <laughs> I I'm gonna be real with you that like I, I I I'm trying to make some big brain plays here and I am just not getting across the field. Like, I, you got Uncle Sam who has cancer. Like, what is that? The USA? Like, I don't... Is that, like, the big metaphor he's, here? I, I don't... He's I don't, doing well. What a specific name. And he's... What a particular name. And he's, don't, he's doing like, well, but he's going to die in a month. I also like that Uncle Sam gets, like, revved up about calling calling his, like, nephew Zaxter. Like, like that's the one thing he has going. Like, 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 like the author notes it. it makes him happy. Like, uh, it's like this guy is just like you know I got cancer. I'm 94. My wife is always watching the goddamn news. All of our money is going to the news. But you know when Zach comes over, I get to call him Zaxter. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's not. It, it doesn't just go end with like he still smiles whenever he says Zaxter. No, no, no. It, then it, it makes him happy. Like this is all he has all in he's the got, world. Dude. Is this nickname? It's like his one right to fame. I'd argue he's not doing well. <laughs> oh, I think he's doing very poorly. <laughs> if Zaxter is the pinnacle, if Zaxter is the top of the mountain, 
then there there's some trouble uh, to be had. Well, I mean, there's so many fucking newspapers. <laughs> there's only newspapers. I, you know, you're right. There's a lot of newspapers here. Also, I got to say, I love how they brought up the fact that they really like news just to justify that he could see the news. Like, as if the news wasn't a commonplace thing you could see anywhere you go. Yeah, You know, um, I got to tell you, I'm really struggling. <laughs> you know, maybe... I'm really... Maybe it'll make more sense as we go through. Maybe... Just stuff more text into my eyeballs. <laughs> stuff it in there. Pack it in. Light a match. Let's do this thing. Okay. Chapter three, the trial. It was Wednesday, and Zach got into one of Uncle Sam's younger day suits. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's so fucked up thing. Oh, my God. Oh, oh Zachster, you're getting one of my suits? Your, my, your, my, your auntie and I used to play in that. We turned the lights off and screamed. I call that the younger day suit because it was a day when I was younger and not dying of cancer, son. Back when San Zaxter wasn't the highlight of my day. I, I call that the day before my birthday suit. <laughs> Aunt Judy anyway. started the started the car and Zach climbed in, slamming the door behind him. Whoa. <laughs> calm, calm down, Zach. Aunt Judy was very concentrated while driving, so all you could hear was the tires gripping the road. <laughs> what? She's driving fast, man. Okay. <laughs> the car stopped and Zach climbed out. He kissed Aunt Judy and walked into the court. Mallory was sat in one seat at the front and the judge was sat in the middle. There was an empty seat. Oh, I, I, need, I need to pause real fast. Yeah? I have seen so many authors say that someone has climbed out of a car. But whenever you get out of a car, you're going lower. And honestly, I wouldn't say it's... I'd say climbing into a car. Even then, you're not really climbing. You're kind of just... Yeah. Maybe like a truck. Just go. You're just going into a car. And you're just like... Mo and honestly, most cars, you're not going higher. Most cars, you're going lower. Like, you're you're, you're sitting yeah, in I, the car. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> he kissed Aunt Judy and walked into the court. Mallory was sat in one seat at the front, and the judge was sat in the middle. There was an empty seat for Zach, so he sat there and waited for everyone to arrive. The court file filled up, and then the hammer hit the small wooden board several times. Settle down, please. We need to quiet down, folks. Okay, we are gathered here today. Oh, wait, I'm, gonna, I'm, close the I'm case. sorry. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stop you there. You said that word wrong. It's what? not quiet. Oh. Settle down, please. We need to quieten down, folks. Okay, we are gathered here today to attempt to close the case of Mallory Fisher's horrific act on a boy in his teens under the name Zach White. I gotta say, this is not a fair trial. <laughs> he opened the trial with saying, the case of Mallory Fisher's horrific act. Mallory, you're gonna be put to death. <laughs> no, let's start this trial. We're gonna, we're gonna murder you. But let's see what the defense has to say. <laughs> Explain the judge. The room fell in complete silence as the judge kept mumbling his usual words. Zach watched anxiously as the judge started to get angrier with the sickening woman, sat there just looking at, his, at her next victims, smiling. The room went into a quiet witter whilst the judge was getting a quick sip of water. The judge had said something that had made Mallory blow. Um, excuse me, for your information, I actually do have a natural life and it's probably more exciting than yours. She bellowed in disgust. 
Yeah, committing murders, replied the judge, who had turned more humorous. The room had turned emphatic after Mallory had her truthful speech, which Mallory had clearly at midnight whilst all the police officers were away from the cells. The speech was written in coal and is all smudgy and dusty. The letters were unreadable and all scattered along the page. The darkness and death in Mallory's eyes was dark and deep. She seemed thrilled with her act, which made Zach feel uncomfortable. The court session had ended and everyone returned home, ready for tomorrow's session. Zach strolled out of the room of depression, questioning and mystery. Zach phoned Aunt Judy to come and pick him up, and they drove off to an American diner to grab a bite. How did it go then? You know, the hearing, asked Aunt Jude. Okay, I guess it was a bit worrying at times when Mallory kept staring at me, but overall it was fine, replied Zach. Good, good, Aunt Judy calmly said. The American diner was full to the roof with people, and the chatter was deafening. The waiters would have to sim- swim through the rooms to get to the tables. They ate up and traveled to the car. They started to drive home with the radio quietly playing in the background of their conversations. Then something the radio news had said set Aunt Judy to turn it up and tell Zach to hush. Is it? Is it? Yeah. What? Uh, are, you, are you sure? Uh, yeah, there has been a hearing today. Oh wow! That, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're right. Good, good, good observation there. Hey, thanks for that. I really appreciate your. your Don't worry. There. I'll keep it in the feedback, and I'll write the platform, and I'll give it to your skip level manager uh, at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. Pre- yeah. Appreciate that. I'd love. To, I'd love the show notes there. Uh, anyway, um, there has been a hearing today to hold the sickening case of Mallory Fisher's. The hearing continues tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Over 50 people were there. To, was there today <laughs> at the hearing, and the speech was disgusting, according to the audience. I like how you're 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 inputting like correct English grammar in there when it's not supposed to be there. Like you know, I yeah, it's it's easy to yeah. I had to I had to uncorrect like, myself. So, so you see, well, the problem we're having is that like most people when they talk about death of the author, they mean like removing the author's context of personal appearance like talking about death of the author with respect to like you know how uh the author's personal opinions don't necessarily uh dictate the interpretation of the text however the problem we're having is that we're killing the author because we're overcorrecting his english and you know i'll say this though it it, maybe i'm wrong but it feels like most of the the weird english is in the quotes so maybe that's just how they talk maybe that's just how they talk across the pond I don't want to. I don't want to drink that pond water. I mean, yeah, it's got a, it's got a lot of fish in it. And I don't know about you, but I ain't no pescatarian. I, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a, a vegan. Oh, oh, how did you how did you get the card? Uh, you know that uh, you know that door down on Saint Anne Street. Yeah, the one with the the V on it. Yeah, yeah, you just. You just just knock on it. That's it. That's it. That's how you become a vegan. That's it. That's all you do. You just knock and on it's, it. Twice. It's like Scott Pilgrim, right? Like you get superpowers. Yeah, but if you knock on it more than two times, you're dead. Oh. And if you knock on it once, they don't do anything, and you never get a second chance. So like, you got to do twice. You got to do twice. But you got to. You got to. Got to do twice. Okay. I'll, don't worry. I'll hit it up tomorrow at three, and then Thursday at like two thirty. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, do it twice. The woman news reporter explained. Oh my God! Back to the news reporter. No, Aunt, no, you're Aunt Judy now. <laughs> oh my God! Well, why don't she? 
All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, gosh, that sounds horrifying, mumbled Aunt Judy. Her bright red face and her plain brown hair dangling to her shoulders showed how scared she would have been to been there. <laughs> Aunt Judy was always would always be wearing a colorful summer dress and would be cheerful. <laughs> the end of the chapter. Um, I want to move on completely to chapter four. I just want to not say a word. I feel of, like I, I got to- I got to say some stuff about this one. One, I love how he described the courtroom as a room of depression, questioning, and mystery. Also, I'd like to point out, if the if the case is that she murdered him, isn't it evidence against the case if he's right there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta say, when the judge replied more humorously, <laughs> yeah, committing murders to... <laughs> To the defendant, I, 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 I wow. Maybe this is how British courts work. Maybe <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're guilty until proven innocent. But I am just like wow. Also, I love how it seems like the trial is just the judge telling off the defendant. <laughs> the judge just kept talking shit to, to the Mallory. Yeah. Yeah, like he just like constantly just threw it right back at her. <laughs> just fucking like it's judge. He's like he's like Mallory, I'm tired. Like, I just wanted him to say some Mallory, I'm tired. Of your I'm shit. tired of your shit. I, we already said at the top of the trial this is about your uh, horrific acts. Why do you think you're going to get a fair say in here? Because I, I don't know, man. Mallory just gets people riled up. She everything went around Mallory just gets. Mad. Well, it's because the darkness and death in her eyes is dark and deep. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you got me. You know, that's, that's, I mean, did you see how dark and dead her eyes were? They were very dark and dead. Very, very dark and dead. I also like how, I also, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we also both like that. Both yeah, like go ahead. That. But I was going to say like the, the American diner was um at best pointless. We didn't even do anything in the American diner. We, we went there. We were like, it's very busy. And then they left. I that's the classic American diner experience. I mean, that's what that's my I, I American really, diner experience. So, so for those listening, you won't catch this. But uh, another fun thing about the judge. So, settle down, please. We need to quiet tin down, folks. <laughs> comma, okay, we are. Ends the paragraph. <laughs> Blind and then break. a new paragraph starts. Yeah, yeah. Then there's a line break, <laughs> and then there's a new paragraph that continues the quote. And it starts with gathered here today to attempt to close the case of Mallory Fisher's horrific act on a boy and his teens under the name Zach. Explain White. the judge. New paragraph. <laughs> New paragraph. New paragraph. Like, uh, uh, whoa! They're 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 talk about poetic prose. They're definitely getting experimental here. They're not afraid to to to. To make a line break. I also like how the last sentence here was that the fact that her face was red and her plain brown hair was at her shoulders really showed how scared she was. Terrifying. And then, you know, she's always wearing a colorful summer dress. Always. Always. That's a great... That, that's the perfect way to end the chapter. I can't think... It never stopped. A single better way. Because, I mean, that was the information we were needing. We were missing that. What is Aunt Judy always wearing? Um, a colorful summer dress. Boom. That's why we know she's scared. 
That's that's we now know what she looks. We know like. what she knows. Three chapters. She's got in. plain brown hair. She's terrified. And she has a colorful summer dress on. Classic Aunt Judy. Classic Aunt Judy. If only Uncle Sam was in his younger day suit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was this chapter. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was in there. That was in there. That was there. Uh. Let's move on to the next chapter, which is chapter four, Depression Spreads. They arrived home, and by now it had just gone 7 p.m., and Aunt Judy was exhausted. They slid the key through the door and twisted it slowly, trying not to awaken Uncle Sam. Aunt Judy waved Zach over to his seat in the living room while she rushed into the kitchen and put the kettle on. She came out to ask how many sugars then got back to work. Zach always loved the way his aunt wouldn't care what time of day it is. There was always time for tea. She came with two hot, steamy cups of British tea. Zach sat there just staring at the hundreds of newspapers scattered around the coffee table. Zach had to place the tea and coaster on the arm of the chair. That's how packed the table was. I'm just going to say it. You should put the T on the newspapers. Like, who gives a shit? It's a fucking newspaper. Um, <laughs> like, oh, no, you ruined my newspaper. I mean, and they also they also have hundreds of them. Like, you could just take last week's newspaper, right? Like, just... there, there There's hundreds. How do you even have that many newspapers on a the table? There's hundreds. Hundreds of newspapers. I mean, I mean, that's one good table. That's what I got to say. And it's not like hundreds of pages. It's just hundreds of full papers. Full New York Times editorials. Jeez Louise and lemon peas. <laughs> they chatted and chatted until midnight. They went up to bed. Zach was staying in the spare bedroom where his dad would usually sleep when he visited when he visited his sister. Zach clambered into bed but found the caffeine in the tea had not affected his tiredness. He thought, it must have been caffeine-free tea. I'll ask Aunt Judy tomorrow. Then he fell straight into a calm and peaceful night's sleep. <laughs> that little detail there. Just to remind you, it's probably I, I just, his thoughts are so just so particular. Like we're not learning very, about very respectful thoughts. His anxieties about the trial, about being murdered. No, this is some caffeine-free tea, and he's going to ask her tomorrow. Caffeine. He's going to clarify. Going to clarify. The next morning, Aunt Judy was awake first and woke Zach up. They went downstairs to expect to see Uncle Sam raiding the breakfast cupboard, but he was not there. His alarm clock was still going off from seven thirty in the morning. And it was now eight forty-seven. Aunt Judy went into Uncle Sam. Wait, is that? Are they not sleep? Are they not sharing rooms? I apparently not. Apparently, they have some kind of. Maybe it's maybe it's his cancer. Maybe it's probably the the. It's probably the suit. It's probably <laughs> the, the suits. Day it's suit. probably the younger day suits. He was very picked. He was very picky about those. He was. Aunt Judy went into Uncle Sam's room. No, no, ho, ho, no. <laughs> Screamed Aunt Judy, bawling with tears. Don't tell me that Uncle Sam has. Worried Zach. He's gone, Zach. Cancer has won him over. Bellowed Aunt. Cancer has won him. (laughs) Has won him over. They conquered him. You know, cancer. And cancer's won the grand prize of your Uncle Sam's life. I I gotta say, his doctors, I don't know how good uh, doctors are supposed to be about this, but they were 27 days off. I, you know, ballpark, give it plus or minus thirty days. Plus, plus or minus a month. Um, but he was doing, Fine. but he was doing so well. <laughs> yeah, they knew it. Like, like they knew he had twenty days, eight days left. Like, I don't even think they'd be sad at that point. Like, they knew, like, may, it's gonna happen. Or maybe like their their doctor's appointment was earlier that day, yesterday, 
in the story. And they were like, hey, you should really watch that movie 28 Days Later because you're not going to have a chance to be on tonight. Yeah. Yep. And then Judy, just being completely in the news, was like, oh, okay, 28 Days were cool. But really, it was... Wait, wait. Okay, hold on. What if this... Okay, what if this occurred in August, right? But, like, the doctor wrote, like, a weird eight, so it looks like a nine? Oh, and then Uncle yes, Sam's American. They all thought it was... And so he, yeah. they, they switched so they, the dates on him. Yeah, yeah. So they all thought it was, like, you know, a month from now, but it actually was, like, the next day. <laughs> like, like the doctor's probably like, wow, they, they, they must... Like, they're, like, everyone's like, oh, we still have time. We still have time. The doctor's like, I, I guess 24 hours is enough time, but he probably didn't say anything out loud. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. The depression spread from family to family, person to person. Everyone in that area knew Uncle Sam. The hearing was today, and Zach was upset. Was that upset? He really didn't feel like going. Aunt Judy was in. <laughs> Aunt Judy was unable to take him due to the horrible pain and shock from hearing your husband has died. <laughs> Matt, your husband died. That's fine. Aunt Judy is in horrible pain. Eh. Okay, Zach was going to take the bus. Zach kissed Aunt Judy goodbye and walked out of the front door. Today, Aunt Judy was wearing a dark, ragged dress, which was torn and worn. She was in the most terrible state today, and Zach doesn't blame her. He feels the same way. The bus doors opened, and Zach paid the driver. Zach sat down next on a seat next to a 60-year-old man. Apparently, only old people ride the bus here, because the first time he was next to an old lady, now he's next to a 60-year-old man. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, actually, that, that tracks. Uh, yeah. He was chewing a cough medicine sweet that didn't help Zach at all. It made him cough. Wait, what? Just just, just, just take it. <laughs> just, 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 just go with it. Zach was so tired that he ended up, after five minutes, just falling into a nice kip until he had arrived. One hour passed, and Zach still had two hours to get there. Okay, now, kids... I'm Dora, and you're going to have to scream at your radio when you're driving and listening to this podcast. One hour had passed, and Zach still had two hours to go. How long did Zach have to get there? Um, uh, uh, he had uh, uh, um, a train comes from Philly going at 55 miles Moy Buen! Gracias. The answer was a train comes from Philly and three hours. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Another two hours passed and Zach didn't notice. Okay, so we're gonna have to. I'm just gonna do this because when I read this, I'm gonna we're gonna have to mentally get it. So he had he said, an hour passed, two hours to go. Another two hours passed, so he's there. Uh, but he didn't notice, and he woke up and he looked where he'd stopped. The bus was empty now, and Zach felt worried. How far is St. Jonathan's Court from here? Asked Zach with great fear. Approximately 35 minutes from here. Should I take you there, sir? Replied the driver. Yeah, that would be great. Casually let the driver know. The buzz revved and then poof, the exhaust fired up and they went zooming through town. The shapes of trees were squared but looked muscular like pit bulls. Have you ever seen a tree and you're like, yeah, that's a fucking pit bull right there? I'm hurting. This is <laughs> that should be that should be our our tagline. 
that, be a good tagline. This is hurting that's me. A, I should replace the description of this podcast just with this is hurting me. You know, it wouldn't hurt. Ha. Uh, the sea was as calm as a horse on a steady route galloping towards the land. The roads are pencil shades drawn along the city. So you have an English background. Yep. How would you rate those metaphors? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't associate them with numbers. <laughs> they're they're too numbers are too good for them, or too bad. You know, I, I, they just shouldn't be involved with anything that involves a hierarchy. They should be <laughs> outside of that. They're anarchic metaphors. Yeah, I just like that the horse is on a steady route, like. <laughs> Like, 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 so, but, but here, so, but that's the thing, like, like the horse, so it's the, I need to stop for a second. Here we are. (laughs) So the sea was calm. Yeah. Now, now the sea was as calm and then as a horse on a steady route. (laughs) Now the horse in a steady route is galloping towards the land. But what the, what the author likely means is the sea was galloping towards the land. Yeah. But the horse was. But no, no but yeah, but the horse wouldn't be on a steady route if it's galloping toward land. It would be on an ocean. That's true. Dying. But I mean, what if it's Jesus' horse? Uh, we're we're not we're not we're not advertising BoJack Horseman's <laughs> weird show right now. Let's not let's not go there. Um, yeah, 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 the- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go, go yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'll tell, talk about this at the end. They arrived at the court and Zach stepped out. The court doors were closed because it had already started. Zach creeped in, noticing the atmosphere of silence. Mallory this time was wearing a red dress with giant gold hooped earrings. Her heels were tall and sleek. Her hair was waved and her eyes were narrow. She must have gone home, guarded by officers, and she got ready. She got She ready. got ready. You know, her hair is did. Her nails are ready. Oh, oh god! Oh, she got so ready, man. She is pumped. You know, yesterday they were being like, "Oh, death and darkness in her eyes," but now they'd be like, "Damn, girl, she got ready. She's ready." The court was more full than yesterday. Every seat had been taken. Zach had to stand in the corner at the back right of the room. Ah, uh, yes, the witness, the the the, the, yeah, the, 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 the the murdered person in the back of the room. Yeah. Yeah. So the evidence we have here is CCTV. Explained the judge. Just then, a remotely controlled screen lowered, and the CCTV footage became visible. There he was on the screen. Zach Mallory was stood next to him, holding a medical tray. Uh, wait. I'm just gonna point this out. It's spelled like the name, not the object. So I'm assuming. Trey is one of the the residents, and he's just she's just holding him. It could be a British spelling, actually. Actually, I might yeah. Have to give this to the author. They might actually. That's true. They, the British do spell things uh, wrong a lot of the time. Uh, nope, nope. Uh, turns out, uh, no. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, they might be spelling it correctly, but um, in 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 the in the art of rebellion, it's wrong. A tray is in uh, uh, in basketball a shot scoring three points. <laughs> oh, so she so oh okay, so she scored three points. Medically, yeah. medically speaking, medically yes. speaking, she scored three points. 
Absolutely. The clip started and the audio was as crisp as a new TV. <laughs> you know how the audio on TVs goes. Um, oh, naturally. Naturally. The room fell into complete silence as gormless faces stare at the clip. Then Mallory pulled the cable and many people's eyes watered as they saw Zach struggling, including Zach. Then Mallory crept out of her seat and stormed out the doors. She, she came back with 12 gas bottles and laid them at the back of the majestic establishment. She cr- How was the court <laughs> letting her do this? Like the judge was like calling her a murderer and now she's just, she just walked like, out the walk door, out, like, oh, came back. Like, like, BRB, BRB, K-Bye. K-bye. She, she, uh, oh, 12 gas bottles. <laughs> Ooh, where do these come from? Just laying them back here. I guess they were just so entranced by watching Zach fucking die. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of a court like showing video evidence of someone dying. <laughs> And then they're like, I'll be RB. Uh, usually when that happens, they just say, like, they go into a guilty plea. They're just like, we have literal video evidence of you killing this person. They're like, okay, no need for a trial. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And this is why, if you give them the chance, they'll be so st- stunned by the footage that they could just walk out the door and come back with bombs. Yeah. I mean, Britain, get on your get on our level. Gas, Gas bottle bombs. <laughs> She crept back to her seat as the clip was coming to an end. It was like she hadn't moved because of how efficient she was. The questions... (laughs) (laughs) This whole courthouse just doesn't even notice. The the, the person being accused of murder stepping out back (laughs) and bringing in 12 bottles, laying them down. Okay, got it. The questions led to a certain arrest. She pleaded guilty to every question so far. Just one more question. Who? Oh. One last time. Did you pull the breathing tube to Zach's otherwise successful recovery? The judge asked Mallory. Zach stood up and bellowed. So this is Zach. This is Zach. This is Zach just yeah, okay, yeah, having yeah. his 15 minutes of fame. Yes, she was. And I am Zach White. And I almost been killed by that psycho of a woman. Zach, what? When? Mallory shouted. Then the back doors opened with a large bang. Then eight people came in, one of which had 913 on his shirt pocket. One of the people was wearing a golden helmet that shimmered like the sun on a summer day. The gold was 24K and was so very heavy. The man with the helmet lifted off and Zach noticed it was his dad. Hello, Malcolm. How are you? Jack asked. Uh, I'm fine, Jack. How are you? Zach confusedly stood up and began to speak. Dad, how do you know the judge? (laughs) Zach, what are you doing here? Shouted Jack, gasping. By the way, this is your grandson, Malcolm. Zach kept asking his dad why he hadn't told him anything about Malcolm before, and soon he became frustrated. Mallory crept off once again while the confrontation happened between Zach and Jack. She set a match off and threw it on the tea towel covered in fuel. A fire broke out and the gas bottle started to whistle. The argument ended and boom! The entire court turned into a ball of flames and radioactive substances and Jack died immediately along with the judge and three of Jack's working agents. Mallory escaped with only soot and scrapes. She smiles and runs down the street. The fire doesn't end. End of book one. Um, 
so you know i i can't even pretend like i can't even like improv my way through like you know <laughs> pretending to enjoy this like i can't you know, I, I want to level with you. Like, I got a full night's sleep for the first time in weeks last night, and I feel like I've just been up for like th- four days. It's like, a this, crazy this, story. This drained the energy out of me. <laughs> we learned a lot in that last sentence, didn't we? Or last. This piece book of- is a succubus. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it seems alluring, but it's just stealing my life energy. We found out he has a grandpa. Named Malcolm. That's true. Um, so earlier on, the word "kip" was used, and I was like, "This is probably a British slang for um, uh, for a sleep or a nap." But I just thought it was funny when I googled it and double checked. When he said he like took a kip on the bus, uh, "kip" noun, the hide of a young or small animal. <laughs> so, <I> just, <laughs> so, so initially when I had that context, I just I was picturing that, and I had to like flip that around a little. So yeah, this is this is a bit. This is a. This takes some energy. Um, so, some some. Do you some? do you like it when your stories take a lot of effort to understand? Uh in this way, sh- not like I'm not saying like sound in the fury, where like you have to like really like take the words and like try and understand exactly what Faulkner was saying. I mean, like more like. I guess I just really want to know the layout of this courtroom. That's <laughs> like how it's so like, easy like, for her to get out. Like, like she, I, I just don't understand. Like, all, so all the odds were against the judge. Like, yo, girl, you're a murderer, and she's like, no, I'm not. And then like, and then they have a courtroom, and they're like, all right, here's the video proving she's a murderer, and she's like, no, I'm not. And then she like stepped out back <laughs> when everyone knows she's a murderer. She's, she stepped out and back. believes she's a murderer, and then and then some for some reason there are twelve gas bottles. That are just outside. She just has them. They, they just like they're just there. Like, how do they get there? And and then after setting up twelve individual gas bottles, twelve unique gas bottles, stepping away from a court where everyone th- thought she was guilty, then she somehow sneaks away again because two people have an argument about yeah about how um and one of those people was wearing a a a twenty four k gold helmet. Yeah, which I is like the worst material to use for a helmet. Like so, to me, it sounds like this book is trying to start like a, like a, a like a cinematic universe. Yeah, it's like definitely the, Harry Potter. Uh, I think it's like Artemis Fowl might be a better, uh, yeah, comparison. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, you know, it, it it reminds me of the um, um. Uh, Oh my God! The uh, pfft, who uh, the the M Night Shyamalan trilogy with Unbreakable, uh, Glass, yeah, whatever. They, yeah, like at the third movie, there's some agents that are relevant, kind of. <laughs> well, all the agents here are relevant. Also, yeah, they, I still I still don't understand. It's a murder case, but he's he's not dead. And. Like, and she's allowed to just leave whenever. Also, was he not like they? Does, does the government not know that he was brought back to life? Is that why he has that whole thing at the end where he's like, "By the way, I'm the guy who was killed." Like, I, maybe they're just really bad at paying attention. That's what I learned from this. Like, they're just really bad at paying attention to things. 
That, that, just, that like, seems like everybody's bad at paying attention. They, they thought Grandpa had 28 more days than he did. <laughs> they thought, you know, they didn't notice her leaving. They didn't know. Zach didn't know he had a granddad. Jack didn't know that Zach was going to be at the courthouse for his own murder. I would want I want to make this a movie. I would this you know what this should be? This should be a, a Tim Heidecker movie. You know, I was thinking like along the lines of the room. Oh. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the vibe I'm getting right now. I'm hoping Josh comes back and writes a book too. Because I gotta know what happens here. I I don't. <laughs> I don't gotta know anything. You don't gotta know anything? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't gotta know anything. It's like the author of the first book wrote, <laughs> you know, forget about it. <laughs> Just forget about it. That's the lesson I learned tonight. <laughs> uh, uh, so I guess we, get some, we have some reviews here. If you want to hear what other people think. Yeah, let me, let me pop in these with you. Uh, Joshua Hall reviewed his own story uh, with a uh, very good story. <laughs> All right, all right. So, I mean, uh, Josh, if you're listening, we can see who writes the reviews. So, change accounts would be my thing. Um, uh, Then Madden Madden LE1 wrote, it was bad. It was well. I haven't read it yet. Lol. Okay. Oh, oh. And then, uh, please not the face wrote, Seriously, you gave yourself a review? Well, that's one story I'll never read. Did you, have you seen the uh the picture for this book? I have I have seen like the little thumbnail. I've not taken yeah. a zoomed in look yet. Zo- zoom in on the thumbnail. It's it's coding. Oh, wait a minute. I need to <laughs> see this. It, it, it's a bunch of coding. Let's see. So there's a there's a picture of what looks like a a skyscraper made in like a mid two thousands video game rendering. Right, and then and then so in the skyscraper it has the author's name, but the U is like cut out. So it's, it's just like, Josh yeah. Law. Josh A Hall. Yeah, Josh yeah. La Hall. Josh La Hall. And then it looks like, um, okay, this is great. The um, the coding is not even coding. It's literally just like a Linux command prompt. And then they just kept like, it looks like they just like, they just listed a bunch of directories. <laughs> like yeah. boot, dev, etc., home, lib. Like they oh, just no, did no. like. You, you can tell there's hacking because there's a slash encrypted on there. Oh, there was a slash encrypted. And you know, it says hacks on it. Yeah, so that's how you know it's hacks. There's hacks. I also like how the the hacks was what saved his um uh somehow the guy hacked his heart. Like like yeah, that, you <laughs> where your heart grew three times as big. Someone yeah, hacked your heart. Yeah. I honestly I think my favorite part of the story was before chapter one, where it goes, <laughs> Dear all readers, enjoy my book. That's your best part? Yeah, that's the best part. I I still I just love how the only thing he describes really well is her eyes. <laughs> I love it. I, um, you know, there's something else that he describes very well here, uh, which was Uncle Sam's love of saying Zaxter. That's true. Uncle Sam loves Zaxter. I God, mean, just the, the, the smile it puts on his face. Oh, you know, God. I was kind of, I was kind of hoping there was like a whole scene where they walk into Uncle Sam's room and he's like lying dead, smiling. 
Um, and there's just a record there's just a recorder in his hand and they play it and it just says Zaxter. It's just like I love you, Zaxter. I, l- I love you, Zaxter. Goodbye. And he just but dies no. smiling. Instead he just kind of dies. Yeah. That'd be fine. Uh that's yeah, fine. So let's do ratings. Uh out of how m- f- how how many Harry Potters out of five? Uh if I like left the show now, would that would that sum up my rating? I would assume that's a one. <laughs> No, no, I, no! I'm not gonna give you a one. I'm not. So zero point five. We're gonna go with not a number. I'm gonna go with um. I want to go with you owe me. <laughs> so I owe you. I mean, you owe me. Here, you can have this. Yeah, yeah. That's you want that's that back? Throw that. Okay. Yeah, pass that over my way. Okay, that's here, fun. here you go. Um. Also, I just want to go back and go. No, no, ho, ho, no. <laughs> Best crying ever. Don't worry, the cancer won him over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then Zach's like very serious, astute thoughts compared to his. I. Oh. Caffeine free tea? I'll ask her tomorrow. <laughs> I'll ask her about that tomorrow. That's not, future Zach's problem. I'm not thinking about. My son about, almost died. I'm not thinking about, you know, being murdered. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, you know, I, I guess I guess in the, the world that they've built that it makes sense that nobody noticed her leave the courtroom because they don't notice anything. <laughs> they don't seem to notice anything. I mean, he was so embarrassed that his uh, house burned down. Maybe their house is just burned down because like yeah. they just don't notice anything. They just leave the gas stove on and then throw some paper towels on it and they're like, oh, well, time to go to the park. And then, you know, house burns down. Like, oh my God, I did it again. Huh. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, so I'm going to give this a one solid one. I mean, it's just, I think there, uh, I like the concept of someone being brought back from the dead to try and like go and like prove in a court that, uh, someone killed him. I really like that, but this wasn't a fair trial. And the way he was brought back was, uh, through hacks, which apparently means, uh, LS, uh, slash on linux so uh, i don't know exactly how strong the human heart is then but yeah uh uh the human heart is not strong enough to handle this story that's true i mean i feel dead inside uh if the grinch read this uh his rib cage would feel better oh, okay so maybe we should get this to the grinch stat probably so this 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 would save christmas okay <laughs> we save christmas yeah uh, okay uh, i guess we're at we're at the, 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 what's it called? It's where you you take two prongs and you put them in two slits. It's not that. Oh, plugs, plugs, plugs. You got any plugs you want to do? Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I got this show. Uh, no, I, I, I uh, he mentioned it earlier. I have a show called the Matt Hawker Show. It's kind of kind of goofy, kind of silly, kind of weird, kind of creepy, kind of odd. Uh, it's named after me, but it has nothing to do with me except for everything. It's sort of a stream of consciousness consciousness improv show with some some custom tunes, some some sketches, and some. Please please don't listen to it. Ple- yeah, and, please don't 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 listen to that. Especially don't listen to it because I believe. Uh, I was interviewed on that show, and I I had a, a hor- horrific time. Um, yeah, he had a really bad time. It was I'm disgusting. Really excited to, oh, it was rough. It was rough for everyone involved. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Southern Poverty Law Center now considers me a marginalized group because of my experience on that show. 
Yeah, but it's weird because they also simultaneously consider you a hate crime. So I don't know how that's. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how that works, but hey, you know. I mean, but I trust the SLPC. They're, they they do good stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say far be it for me. You know. Yeah, I don't you like know, I, li- I listen to them. Uh, but yes, Absolutely. so you got the the Matt Hawker show. Um, for me, let's see. Of course, you got this show, which I mean, I don't really need to plug it. You're on it, but there are other plugs. For one, our Patreon, which you can't um search on Patreon. Uh, because uh, we're considered adult content because we say be- no-no words. And so to, to find it, you have to go to our website, buriedgems.podbean.com and go to the about and there's a link there or you can search buriedgemspatreon.com. For a dollar, you can join our Discord and just tell us nasty shit. You can send us whatever you want. Once you're on the Discord, you can just say things to us and I can't stop you. You paying a dollar. And then, oh, you see, Matt just, he's on the Discord. He paid the dollar and he just said some, he just said the nastiest thing he could. He said hi to me. It was, it was, it was horrible. But um, also on the Patreon, we have uh, some content that we're working on there. Uh, one of the things we have is working on author profiles. We're trying to get interviews with some of the authors that we've been, uh, we've been reading a lot from. The, uh, the most recent, the current profile we have up right now is the Wasp Sting uh, profile, which is, um, you know, wasping from the famous Miracle Milkshakes, from the Hypocrisy Hunter, from Maths Homeworks, from Love to Eat, all those great stories that we love. We love wasping on the show. So if you want to go see uh, uh, a little interview of the author, I was actually able to get in contact with her. She lives in the UK. I have a, a little uh, profile of her that you can go see. She I have some questions about her stories that you can go read. And you can also do... I'm trying to work on getting one for Gay Tales, but I don't know if I can get in contact with them. Um and then also on the Patreon, if you, uh, no joke, uh, if you pay me $200 and the price of a plane ticket to your city, I will come to your backyard and I will bury gems in your backyard. And, you know, and I also have, I'll, I'll give you a PhD in internet literature. It's a great time. Um, yeah, so that's the Bury Gems Patreon. And then I guess the only other plug I have is for the First Impressions Music Podcast, which is a podcast I've been working on with this uh, wannabe rapper, Toxic Gold, and of course, Jacob, who's been on this podcast before, where we uh, try and listen to fresh music, the less popular music, you know, like more indie stuff to try and like, you know, if you want to let's try and uh, get recommendations for new music or just like, here's some new albums, here's some analysis of music. Maybe we have thoughts that you haven't had before. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. It should be on every platform now, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all that jazz. So it's a first impressions music <laughs> outlets. You make sure to plug those up, but yeah. Uh, any last things you want to say, Matt? Um, I am not a bottom. You're not a bottom. No. Like, like as in like, you're not on the bottom of your floor right now. No, I've just, I'm not a bottom. Okay. I mean, that's, I'll be sure to, um, let the world know. Hey, thanks. And, uh, uh one more thing. Uh, I just wanted you to know that, well, I really hate you. <laughs> For that second story yeah that's that's fair i uh i i'm going to hold that in my forever it's good you know it's uh it's art that, that's... I, know, I, I just know that when i lay down tonight <laughs> in my bed with the lights off and i stare at the ceiling and i can't sleep and i'm just i'm sweating profusely i just know behind the walls i hear a creaking noise and if I listen just carefully enough, 
and that solemn pit of despair beyond my container, I will hear a voice bellow and moan from a universe far beyond this one, and it will only say one word. Zaxter. Hey, the stories, you know, they might take off. And if you have any other stories you think might take off, feel free to email them to us at buriedgenpodcast at gmail.com. 